Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. The father of many nations, of descendants of many generations, and, and yet he was childless. And we saw how he had confidence in God, knowing who God was, that God could somehow, however that would be, even though he didn't know, he would, God would pull that off. And that was confident hope in God. And that provoked him to align his life in the direction of God's leading. And we're encouraged to do the same thing. And so today, we're going to continue that. And we're talking about hope from the perspective of guarding hope. Guarding the hope that we have and continuing that on and looking at what we need to do is to guard the hope that we have in Christ and how do we do so? So as we begin, if you'd like to, if you've got a Bible with you, we're going to spend most of our time in Mark chapter 4, starting around verse 14. And while you're turning there, I just wanted to share, about a month ago, Catherine and I, my wife, were up here on the platform and had the opportunity to share about all the things that God had done in our lives over the last 10, 15 years. How he had brought us to North Carolina, how he had led our way every step along the way, how abundantly clear it was. And we, we even shared a few examples, and it was only a subset of it. And then how God had released us to be able to move back home to family and some of the things that he had brought together to make that possible. And so it was really abundantly clear that the, God, the promise of God in our lives was rather significant. Even with all of that, that incredible confidence that we had in what God was doing in our lives, this past week was probably one of the most challenging weeks I've had in a very long time. Challenging that hope that we're in the middle of moving my wife and our, our middle son who was living with us and our dog are all moved up to Maine. I'm here by myself, putting the house together, last final steps, trying to get things ready so we can put our house on the market. There were some family situations that came up that were really challenging to navigate. There was a whole lot of things. And in all of that, I was really in a, in a dark place. And I was wondering... Did, did we even make the right choice? Are we really following what God, did, are, are these promises for real? And so I was beginning to doubt and thinking, I've lost my hope and I don't even know where it is. And then I thought, oh my goodness, what am I speaking about on Sunday? Hope, how can I even do that? So this morning, in the midst of my own doubts of this week, after being here on this platform, sharing about the hope of God and the promises of God, and then yet wavering in that because of my own weakness, that here I am to, to share, with me, share with you some of that, and I'm really sharing that for myself. So I'm, I'm sharing this message for me. You're free to listen in on what I'm talking to myself, because we all face challenges. We all have hardships, there's all things that come up in our lives that can get in the way of us being able to really embrace and grasp, but that confidence in 
Jesus just because of life around us. And so this is for me, this is for you, it's, this is for every person that you know who is a living, breathing human being because we all go through this. So we want to look at the parable of the sower and the seed from Mark chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 14. And it starts with, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. This is an explanation to a parable that Jesus had given before. He had been on the, the side of a lake, had to get into a boat as he was talking to a large crowd, told the crowd that, about the farmer and that birds came to, to grab the seed that the sar- farmer had thrown out there. Some of the seed landed on rocky soil. Some of the seed was in, gathered up by thorns and choked away, and other seed grew plentiful. The disciples asked, Jesus, what does it all mean? And this, what we just read, was Jesus' explanation as to what that meant. It was all a description about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God works. And Jesus was saying in here that people are like the seed in how they receive the word, how they accept it, and how they react to what they hear about anything about God. That some are like seed along a path. Some are like those on rocky places. Some are those that are choked away. And some are like good soil. So we're going to go through each of those verse by verse. Starting at verse 14 in Mark 4. The farmer sows the word. Who's the farmer? Well, that's going to be men and women. Anybody who has that message, who shares that with somebody else. The seed, that's God's word. Jesus even said that in this. It's also a seed is the starting point of life. You put a seed in the ground, you're expecting it to grow out of this little hard shell. Something grows abundant in life. People are like that seed. And some people let that life flourish. Other people have that life cut out from them and other people refuse and cut it out themselves. The word is that starting point for spiritual life. It's the, everything that Jesus described from their point of view, the New Testament didn't even exist yet, but they did have the Old Testament and all of what Jesus had been describing of that as well as the commands that he had given, the clarifications that he had given. So for instance, at times he had said, here's what it was written in the past, here's what I say now. So for instance, 
The Old Testament, the law says, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, you shall not even lust for somebody else. And so he clarified, that's the word, is the message that Jesus gave. It's an understanding of who God is, what God was doing in the world, and how he expects us to live. And so sowing is implanting in other people those ideas, those awareness, that perspective of who God is and what we can do with that. Going on to verse 15, some people, verse 15, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Satan, he's known as the adversary, the accuser, the one who resists, the one who will speak lies to try to get people to believe something other than the truth of God's word. And he steals it before it gets much of a chance to be able to grow. He says, as soon as they hear it, the accuser steals it away. So that person heard the truth, but then they heard an accusation against God. Oh, God's not really like that. Yeah, let's look at, look at the world all around you. How can you possibly believe that God could be good? Accusing the person who is the farmer, the sower, you or me. Accusing us, look at, at things about their life. How can they possibly believe that? Accusing the validity of the word itself, of the message, of the, the validity of who God is and of his character. That accusation then robs the hearer of being able to embrace and move forward with the word of God. He gives more attention to the accusation than the truth. And then that becomes the noise and a distraction. And that's what people pay attention to. So the first point is God's word in our hearts is the key to guarding hope. The truth, that is, of God's word in our hearts is the key to guarding hope is that having the truth, the reality, to be able to ward off those accusations that will come and do come from Satan, from demonic influences, from other influences in the world around us that says that the word isn't true. By having the word itself and understanding it and knowing the reality of who God is and his character and what Jesus is doing in the world, knowing that deeply in our core, letting it take root, that guards our heart and the hope that we have in Christ. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That as we hear the word of God, as we let it take root in us, then faith rises up. Faith being the same thing as, as belief, and even leading to allegiance to him and devotion to God. Is that by hearing the word, by letting it penetrate into us and letting that become a reality and accepting the truth of it, it makes a difference in our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's a, the chapter of Paul's writing to the Corinthians that's known for love. It just talks about love in so many different ways. But then he ends that by saying, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith is related to allegiance and belief, aligning ourselves to Jesus. Hope is having that confidence in Jesus 
And love is really about an unconditional commitment to him. All three of those are intertwined with each other and interrelated with each other. They relate to each other. And as we understand who God is, that we align ourselves with him, we have an unconditional devotion to him and that love for him. And that brings us the, the, the source of our hope in him and the confidence in him because of all of that. Going on in Mark 4, verse 16. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Because of the word, because of following God, because of being obedient to him, because of following what Jesus has said, hardship comes. And because of that, we are tempted to fall away. As an example for myself, this week, I was really exhausted working on getting our house together. I was waking up probably because of stress over it all, but I woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. That's not when I normally wake up. I was wide awake. Started working on the house, worked until 7 o'clock, 7.30, had a quick shower, got ready for work, went to work, did work stuff, came back home, had a quick dinner, and then worked again until about 10 o'clock at night, and then repeated that two, three, four days in a row. By the end of it, I was exhausted, working on the house, going through a whole lot of different things. And some of you might think, well, maybe you should have called and gotten some help. Well, some of it was, I needed to make a decision. Well, does, does this thing here need to stay with me so that it's really easily accessible, or can I stick it in the box and it can go to storage? None of you can figure that out for me. I have to figure that out. And so I had to do that. There were some other things that were, I thought, this is going to be ridiculously easy. I needed to replace a socket cover over an electrical box or electrical outlet. Well, after the room was painted, I went to put it back on and the screw was too short. This is supposed to be a five second job. You just put in a little tiny little screw. But it was too, so I had to, I called up my electrician's son and he gave me some pointers and I did this and I had to go there and an hour later, I had to replace a couple of window shades. Really simple, just take it off the rack and put it back on. Five seconds, that's it. Well, when I got the new shade to put in place, the brackets didn't match. So I had to remove all the brackets and I had to patch in all the holes. Then I had to put in new holes and new brackets and I had to put, there's another hour. By the end of those few days, I was spent. And I was wondering, where's my hope? Because I was too exhausted. And in my weakness, I was wondering what's going on. It was a perfect opportunity for the enemy to steal God's promises in me because of my own exhaustion, maybe my own not relying on others when I, I didn't even realize that I needed to. But in our lives, there are situations that come along that give us an opportunity to lose out on and miss out on the hope of Christ. Now, I wasn't doubting my salvation in any of that, but it was more of, am I doing the right thing? And where is God in all of this? I am just so spent. But there is hope in God. And I had to remind myself to point myself back and say, you know what? This is just for now. It's short term. 
Don't worry about it. Things are going to get better. And God is still on the throne. And I do have full confidence in what he is doing in our lives and the lives of other people. And that's what I need to give my attention to rather than to the other things. Mark chapter 4, verse 18. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. There's several things, he says, that choke out the word, that crowd out the message of the hope of of Christ, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the false security that comes with having the dream of, of finances, the desire for stuff. That leads us to point number two. The enemy tries to steal hope by taking, testing, and twisting God's word. The enemy tries to steal hope by taking, testing, and twisting God's word to get us to focus on the worries of this life, to focus on the things that are in the immediate here and now, that focus on where we are in the natural rather than giving us to focus on the reality of God's word, God's hope, who he is working in our life. And in that statement, the enemy tries. Who is the enemy? Well, if you look back at the, the first verse that we read, in verse 15, that was Satan who steals the word before it takes root. But after that, it doesn't mention him specifically by name. Now, certainly, Satan is moving in the world. There's demonic forces that are a reality, evil spirits that have an influence in our society and in our world that will work against us. But there are times that we also can be our own enemy. That we, like myself and my own example of this week, I got to the point where I was just worn out. And I became my own enemy and my own weakness. We can be our own enemy to get in the way of God's promises and that confidence and hope. Rather than just thinking, oh, it's going to be, you know, it's the devil made me do it. Well, we have a part in that too. James talks about how that sin takes root in us because of our own desire. There's a lot in that that comes from ourselves as well as the demonic influence and the evil influence in the world around us. The enemy in verse 15 steals the word, God's word before it even begins to take any root. He steals in the next verses God's word by testing it with tribulation, by hardship going on. He steals it by twisting with deceptions and distractions of the world. What do we do? The first step is just being aware that those things exist in our life, that those distractions are coming in, whether it be coming in from the world, whether we let them in or because of our own challenges. But we can reject that compromise. We can reject those distractions. We can reject the accusations that we know are not true and instead commit ourselves to Jesus, recommit ourselves to him. And that brings us to Mark 4, verse 20. Others, again, other people, are like seed sown on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 
some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. What's the fruit of a seed? Oftentimes I think, well, you know, if you get a, a seed in the ground and it starts growing, that's exciting. But if, say, it's an apple seed, if you've got an apple tree growing, are you satisfied? Or are you looking for that tree to have apples on it? If you're looking for a tomato plant, you've got a seed and all of a sudden you've got this tomato plant sprouting and maybe there's some little yellow blossoms all over it. Are you excited and thrilled because you've reached perfection there? No. It's about the fruit that gets produced. It's about what the result is. This parable is all about the kingdom of God. And it's all about people who Jesus is talking to who are his disciples. So then, what's the fruit or the crop of a disciple? It's going to be more disciples. And so this verse is saying, the good soil describes those who hear the word, hear the message about who God is, who Jesus is, accept it, apply it, make it a part of their life, and then produce a crop. Producing a crop means more disciples. That means other people are also becoming disciples who hear the word, who accept the word, who put it into practice in their life and are living it out. And they, in turn, are also producing a crop, making disciples, and it continues to reproduce and reproduce. The word. You can summarize it in one core statement. Love God, love others, make disciples. That's the essence of the message. That's the message of the gospel. That's all of it summed up very, very briefly. And everything else kind of rolls up into that. If we look at hope only from the perspective of how can I guard my hope? How can I keep my life together, my life intact, my focus on him? We're actually cutting it short because... There are other people, whether that be family, neighbors, coworkers, friends, strangers, who have no hope at all, who are around us. How is their hope? How is their confidence in God? Guarding hope is also about bringing that message of hope to other people and helping them get to a place where they have hope that is solid and confident as much as we have it as well rather than just keeping that hope to ourselves. We want to be able to share it. So if you look at the parable, sometimes I look at it as like, well, I'm, am I the seed? Am I going to be the seed that's, that's going to be producing the 30, 60, 100? Or perhaps maybe we need to look at ourselves in the parable and see ourselves as the sower. Am I going to see myself as the sower, the one who shares seed? And yes, the reality is, is that some people are going to reject it like the seed that landed on the rocky path that got eaten up by the birds. Or some seed, some hope that I share with somebody else might be choked away by somebody else's obsession with the things of the world. That's a reality. Jesus said that's going to be part of your sowing with others. And then there will be those who eat it up and consume it and make it a part of their life and grow and share that in turn with other people. Let's see ourselves as the sower in the parable who are sowing hope into other people. Sowing 
hope into the hearts of those who are, who are far from God. In Matthew chapter 7, it was the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talked about the same thing that he said in this parable. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And that goes on to, to describe how the man who built the house on the sand, when the rains come, it just washes it away. But those who build on the rock have a firm and solid foundation with confidence. But it comes because we hear the word, we hear the message, we hear of love God, love others, make disciples, put it into practice. Those are the ones that are like the ones who built their house on the rock. And our lives, that our, com- our commitment and our confidence It's going to be challenged. It's going to be like the house beaten up in the storms. But when it's founded on that rock, that hope in Christ, then we stand because of of him. And that leads us to the third point, which is hope is secured when we hear, receive, and obey God's word. Hope is secured when we hear, receive, and obey God's word word. And that receive is not just hear it and that's the end of it, but it's receive it, it's make it part of our life, live it out. It becomes our lifestyle of living for him and being aligned with him. With with seeds, they don't just grow up overnight. It takes time. You can drop some seeds into a garden and you might wait days, weeks, watering it, nurturing it, sitting back patiently, looking with expectation for it to come out. And even after it starts popping out of the ground, it takes a while before it gets to be able to produce fruit. And if you're talking about a fruit tree, like apples, peaches, pears, that's years of patience, waiting, but in hope, in confident expectation and trust in what is certain, knowing that God is going to bring about the end result. Certain that there's some who will accept the word and will commit to him. So in all of that, what role do I play? Again, will I see myself as the sower? Will you see yourself as the sower? From my wife and I, one of the things that we plan to do when we get to Maine is to meet with people in small groups, just following a really simple pattern, grabbing a passage of the gospels, maybe even a parable like, what we've just gone through today, and that's it. And then reading through that, what does it say about God? Asking ourselves this question, what does it say about God? Well, in this one, we know that God's word is the truth. The accuser tries to come against it, but it's truth, and it allows us to grow and have life. What does it say about people? Ask ourselves that question, just a simple question. What does it say about people? Well, some people will reject it. Some people will accept it. Some people will flourish and grow with it. And then the last question is, what example should I follow or what command should I obey? Well, in this case, it's if I'm going to be a sower, then that means I need to, well, I need to sow. I need to share the message. I need to share hope. It doesn't need to be preaching a a gospel message like this here this morning, but it's how how do you see hope in your life? How do you see the reality of Jesus living out in your life, as simple as that. What does it look like this week? Share with somebody else. And then 
in the end, having friendly accountability amongst a small group of people, you said that you were going to share that message of hope with somebody else. So how'd that go? Just asking, what does it say about God? What does it say about people? What example should I follow? What command should I obey? And then seeing where that leads in the lives of other people. Hope, it's a confident expectation and trust in what we know is certain, which is rooted and founded in Christ. Those three points. God's word in our heart is the key to guarding hope. The truth of God's word is that key. The enemy tries to steal that by taking it and twisting it, bringing in deceptions, distractions. We ourselves can be our own enemy, can shoot ourselves in the foot. But hope is secure when we hear, when we receive, when we put into practice, when we apply and obey God's word. Let's, well, stand and, and pray. And as we do, I'd just like to leave you with, with a couple of thoughts. One is that we want to guard our hearts as individuals, hearing, accepting, obeying God's word. As Americans, we tend to be pretty individualistic. That instead, we have a community here. And we can have friendly accountability with one another, helping one another to remain in that hope, that hope in Christ. And then to share that hope with other people. They need that as much as we do. So let's pray. Father, I ask that you would guard our hearts, that we would understand deeply the promises that we have in you, the promises that are rooted and founded in Christ, and that you would help us to open ourselves and accept that and align it and give our allegiance to who you are and let that become part of our being. And Lord, as, as we here are a community of believers, community of disciples, help us to rely on one another, that we would Lean on each other as those difficulties come along and those challenges get in our way, sometimes distracting us from who you are, that we would rely on them, we would rely on you, and together would be an encouragement to one another to continue to grow in that relationship with you as we grow in relationship with each other. And lastly, show us this week, who is it that we know that we can share even a glimpse of that message of hope, why we have that confidence in you about who you are and how you are working in the world and the promises that we have in you and the life that we get to experience in you. Help us to be able to share that with somebody this week, somebody's particular, because they need you as much as we do. God, we ask that that you would cement all of this in our hearts and our spirits in your name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.